Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hey, everybody. Happy lunch hour. Happy Friday. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. We've got a full hour for you all about hockey on a Flames game day and a busy weekend for Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We've got uh, Flames and Jets tonight and tomorrow. We've got the Calgary Hitman tomorrow and Sunday. So lots of hockey to get into and dig into. Eric Francis Friday's coming up at 1230. But first, let's talk to Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, Peter, to uh, get people up to date, uh, things have changed a little bit with the Flames and what we're going to see in terms of lines. That sort of thing tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. No changes in the defensive pairing, so that stays the same. But, Kelly, to use today's phrase, going back to the bubble for the most part, outside of there's no Tobias Reader anymore with the team and replace him and the other two members of that group. Derek Ryan will play in the middle of Nordstrom, who returns after suffering an injury and a blocked shot a couple of weeks ago and Josh Levo will be on the other side. But the rest, you're going back to the bubble. So Gaudreau, Monaghan, and Lindholm, they are reunited again. Kachuk, Backlund, Mangiapane, we saw that in the game against Ottawa two days ago. And Milan Lucic, Sam Bennett, and Dylan Dubé, and we know how good they were as this team looks to be more solid in their own zone and what they really need to do in part, not a lot, is drive some more offense. And they're going to have to do it against arguably as deep a group forward-wise as you'll find in this division. Certainly what I would say is the division's most difficult one through nine to deal with. Yeah, the Jets are deep for sure, and the Flames have seen them a lot, but I think the Jets in the last you know three weeks, four weeks, Lou, have gotten better. I think they've really gotten a lot stronger, would you say? No, I think Lou is uh, dropped off. Maybe we better give him a call back. For some reason, he's calling my cell, which is probably wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure why that's happening, but better give him a call. Anyway, so yeah, Flames and Jets tonight as uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with uh, with these line combinations. So, yeah, if you if you like things from the uh, bubble in Edmonton, you're going to love tonight. So we'll uh, we'll hook up with uh, with Lou a little bit here. It's, you know, it's 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 just one of those things. So, Lou, we were talking about how the Jets, uh, you know, the Flames and Jets have seen each other a fair amount earlier on in the season, and I think. The Jets have sort of, uh, they've gone in opposite directions here in uh, February and March, late mid-February to, to mid-March, as the Jets have really sort of solidified that that group, and you talked about how deep they are, and they're getting it done somehow, some way with, uh, with their defense, and their goaltender is, you know, one of the best, obviously. He is. Um, Kelly, before we dig a little deeper into Winnipeg, let's let's get back just for a second, if we can, to the line combinations. Yeah. And let's let's talk about Lindholm being back with Monaghan and Gaudreau. So when you think about the game tonight, I always look at it in terms of a couple of things. So matchups. So if I had to guess, I think you're going to see 
not exclusively because Derek Daryl frankly would probably like to turn Calgary's game into a four-line game and maybe even force Paul Maurice into more of a three-line game. But to begin with, do not be surprised if you see a lot of the backland line against Shifley and that group, and then the Monaghan line to go up a lot against Dubois. And you talk about Kelly with Winnipeg. One of the reasons they've you know, found their way a little bit is that big trade making them as strong down the middle as any team. When you think about Stastny's playing with Wheeler and Shifley. So, you know, that's how deep they are down the middle. But not only is the move with Monaghan and Gaudreau and Lindholm about how you're going to create offense, if you go up against that line, Dubois with Ehlers and Connor, you have a lot to deal with defensively. So in putting Elias Lindholm on the right side, you have a really responsible guy defensively to make sure that that part of your game is even more solid against, you know, those speedy, creative wingers with the big centermen in the middle. It also, the Flames want to have more puck possession. So it gives you a strong side right-handed shooting face-off option when those teams go against one another and in those particular line matchups. So, and the other part, Kelly, that people won't think about is this. An area where you can start scoring more goals is on the power play. And Daryl really, he's made mention of the fact that he likes to, in many ways, put lines out together on power plays. And so that can not only create more chemistry, but the Flames' power play is sixth in the Northern Division. They need more out of that first unit. And don't be surprised if Giordano potentially goes back to to anchor that unit with Kachuk and then those three other guys, Monaghan, Crow, and Elias Lindholm. So when you're looking to score a little more, the power play is something for this team that needs to get on a roll. But in terms of the matchup game tonight, you know, as much as it's about putting Lindholm there to create offense, and it is, make no mistake, but in this hard matchup against Winnipeg, um, it's you cannot be shy on your defensive detail first. Yeah, that that's going to be interesting. So Elias back on the wing. That's that you you think that's probably uh, kills two birds with one stone. Yeah. Obviously with with uh, maybe the, three or four. Yeah, with the defensive stuff and obviously trying to trying to get some offense going, which has been just not not there for for uh, for the Flames. Obviously for for a few games. But if you go down the 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 other lines, what do, what do you mm-hmm. make of of some of the reuniting going on down uh, down uh, to uh, the second and third line. Well, um, you know, however you want to number them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, numbers, not, yeah. I'm not sure about that. But, but here's what I would say. So if you play out the matchup game again, made a little mention of it. So, you know, Michael Backlund at the top of his game with Kachuk, who you need to get going offensively, and Mr. Plug-and-Play, I like to call Monjapani that, I think they see a decent amount of time 
against the Shifley group tonight. You know, I think that's a matchup to look for. And then the line I want to talk about more with Winnipeg might see a lot of, you know, again, you want to get in on the four check. You want to set the next group up for a better situation. And, you know, we've talked about the other two, but Kelly, when this team has had some consistent success and they also had it in the bubble against Winnipeg, mind you, no Shifley early in the series, but how essential to driving the whole group was the Bennett line with Dubé and Lucic with their physicality, their offensive zone time, and how miserable they made it. You talked earlier about Winnipeg's defense. Now, Winnipeg's defense, I'll, I'll get to this, I think they're better than people think. I do. And I think one of the reasons is the former Flame, Derek Forbort, and Neil Pionk is a pairing is one of the most underrated pairings in the division. They've really glued Winnipeg together. You know, they're not at the level of Tanev and Hannafin, but they've really stabilized that group. You've got Morrissey and Kuhlman, you know, Logan Stanley's back in the big 6-7 behemoth and former Windsor and Kitchener star in junior. That middle pairing for Winnipeg is better than people think, but in regards to Bennett, Lucic, and Dubé, you want them to drive play with their physicality, being smart, good on the forecheck, and making life miserable on that Winnipeg back end. Yeah, make them think about it when they when they go to chase the puck behind their own net because they know that uh, it's going to sting a little, right? That's that's so important, and and you saw that uh, you know in the playing round too, right? You could tell that. They got a little tired of getting hammered, right? And that's just not they, fun. No, no, it's <laughs> looks easy from uh, from the press box, but I don't imagine it's fun getting nailed every time you trying to make a play, right? So that no. will be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we're we're. I mean, it depends on on where you're. You know, if you're half full or half empty on the flames. Um, you know, the, these games are are important. I think they're all important, really. Whether you know the playoffs look like a, a bit of a stretch, but. I think people just want to see something, you know, like something from the guys that we've seen so much from before and just to have it just evaporate so quickly on, on so many different levels is really confusing. And you, know, you play that same team three, three games in a row, like here we go, I guess, right, Lou? This is your chance to kind of, you know, get some practice in a little bit, play the same team and, and, and get after it a little bit because they're going to need it. You know who we haven't talked about enough? Who's that? Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. If you, if you are going to get on a roll and win, you know, 14 or 15 games, and before he was hurt and early in the season, Jacob Markstrom was, you know, as good a player, if not this team's best player. So I know you like numbers. Here's some numbers that I think you'll be interested in. Okay. In the Calgary Flames... 12 wins with Jacob in the net. Goals against average, 190. Save percentage, 934. In the, ten, in the 10 losses, 397, 873. In his last 18, save percentage, 895 and a half. Now, again, you know, would you look at him as someone who's disappointed? No. 
But if you are to get on a roll, and you talked about giving Flames fans something to be excited about, in this division, I think if we haven't learned this yet, we need to. This team's not going to outscore many of its opponents. They're just not. When they stack up against certain teams, including the one they're playing tonight, that's a tall order. So your goaltending, your special teams, and getting your top guys going a little more is going to be the recipe. And Jacob Markstrom, from here on in, just might need to be, as he was early in the year, this team's best player if this team's going to get itself back into a race. And the other thing, and I know I heard this from Kevin Woodley, who does such a great job breaking down goalies at a level that none of us really can, and it's great to have him on our radio station, is I think the other part, since Daryl has taken over, is Jacob in his career, I've found, is, is one of those guys where he likes work. He likes work. And, you know, with this team now, even go back to the Ottawa series, there's not a lot of work. So it's a different challenge, yeah. Kelly, sometimes for a goalie. You know, look at his success the last few years in Vancouver. Like, it required a lot of work early this season. Shooting gallery, required right? required a so, lot of work. So different when, when Jeff Ward, like, the, the shots were so much higher. And now it's kind of like that, um, the book, The Game by Ken Dryden, where he said it's so different when you're a goalie on a really good team that doesn't allow a lot of shots. You're going to get one or two real good ones, and you've got to be ready for those. It's almost a change in mentality for him because you know, the shot level, he's not going to have to, it won't be a shooting gallery, but it's going to be, you know, the teams are going to get their, their looks, and when they do, you've got to come up with those saves, and it's uh, easier said than done. Um, but for sure, there's, you know, Lou, there's, a, there's been a difference, you know, pre and post injury for Jacob Markstrom. There has, there, there absolutely has, and already referred to the numbers, but, you know, I, I love this guy. He's a foundation piece for this team. You know, they went out, they spent a lot of money. Um, they're going to ride him without a doubt, as long as they're in the race. And, I think he's going to be up for the challenge and they need him to be had his absolute dialed in best. And I don't think, you know, nights like tonight, nights against Toronto, nights against Edmonton. Yes, it's it's a little different now, Kelly, but against these high end groups, you're going to get work and you're going to and you're going to get it's not going to be like Ottawa. So the challenge for him is going to be very different. The Flames, you know, in a perfect world they play a lot like they did against Montreal and find a way, but this is a heck of a challenge tonight. So Markstrom chances are it'll be more than busy and the workload will be more than difficult enough. Do you think they play them back to back tonight and tomorrow or do they go to Riddick? Um, What do you think they do? uh, Might depend on some workload. Might depend on some workload. And I think further to what we've chatted about, Kelly, if I need a guy to get on a roll, I need to feed him. I need to feed him. Now, that's not to say they're going to go that way. David's played, you know, well in his games by and large this year, especially after he, you know, ended up playing that six in a row when Jacob was down. I'm not a goalie whisperer. I I think I've got a great sense for just about any matchup, 
any guy in the league, how they play, how you match up, but I'm happy to go down that road with anybody. But the goalie situation, all I would say is what I pointed out. If I feel, if he has a really good game, I need this guy. Yeah. So I, I, so I need to get him, like, again, it, it's, it's not a pet peeve, but it's a bit of a pet peeve with me. I'm trying to get back in a race. Whoever gives me the best chance anywhere is who I'm playing. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, of, of, yeah, the, the, the MO of, of Daryl is whether he was with L.A. or Calgary the first time and, and go back in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe that's old school. I don't know. But he's he's the type of guy that goes with the the guy that he trusts the most and the guy that he thinks right. can get the job done and will worry about getting the backup some games later. I, I, I just wonder if he just, you know, he lets Markstrom kind of show – where he's at and if he's mm-hmm. lights out tonight then why not do it i'm going tomorrow? right back i would too i would too i'm going I don't right think, back. i don't think you have much of a choice and you know what if you don't get it done uh in the next little while here you know for march then you can do all the experimenting you want you can call up goalies Absolutely. if you want right so that's the way mm-hmm. it's going. okay but what do we need to know before we get to the mailbag what do we need to know about the jets we talked about their defense that is underrated we talked about their balanced scoring we everybody knows about their goalie uh, their coach is one of the best. Um, they've just been maybe poised to do this after they had, you know, a couple of years back. Let's face it, the playoffs have not been kind for the Jets for a while, ever since they, you know, lost to Vegas in the conference finals, and then they lose to St. Louis, and then they're out against Calgary. It's it's kind of go time for this for this squad. They've been they've been building towards this. It is, but the one line that I don't think gets enough credit. In fact, I'm not a big numbering line guy. The Adam Lowry line with Andrew Kopp and Mason Appleton, Kelly, if you want to call them the third line, I think they're the best third line in the division. You can play them against anyone. You trust them in every situation. They, in many ways, forget about a third line. They're kind of Paul Maurice and the Jets ace in the hole yeah, fix and it not line. only get physical yes, line. yep yep they can do it all and it's keyed by adam in the middle and they've used cop who's been a bit of a breakout player this year 16 points in his last 15 he's one point shy coming off by the way a four goal game against vancouver two days ago he's one point shy of where he was all of last season, talking about cops. So, you know, you can you can move him anywhere. He's really found a different level. And here's another significant stat. I always look at people's utilization in ice time. Kelly, he's up over five minutes a game this year from yeah. his career average. Yeah, they're trusting, five. trusting him more. So that's significant. So it ter- turns out that drafting and developing players is kind of important, hey? It's... It, Turns out it's turns out it's one of those things you should do, right? And slotting, <laughs> slotting, and 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 having people that can match up against anybody that you can trust them in all situations really matters. Adam Lowry, you know, he's been healthy last year. He only played forty nine games. He already has seven goals, eleven points, and eighteen, and wins faceoffs, kills penalties, big physical presence. And I say this about Adam a lot, and I'm a massive adam fan when his days are done would it surprise me if he became a head coach or a general manager 
not for a second. Now, hockey's not kind of one. kind of the family business, right? So probably, yeah, probably. And then he is all in too. Yeah, you sit with him and visit with him, and then an underappreciated guy on the line too is Mason Appleton, who has three goals against the Flames this year. Last year in 46 games, he had eight points. He has 17, and he gives that line, you know, a good speed, a good work dimension. And, you know, I guess in closing before the mailbag on the Jets, when I look at this team now, top to bottom, with Hellebuck in goal, if they were to acquire someone like Matthias Ekholm and played him on their first pairing with Josh Morrissey, even though they're both left-handed, or found that kind of piece, Kelly, I'm not so sure they couldn't make a massive run. Yeah. Massive. We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, South Point Toyota is our uh, game day sponsor. We'll have our uh, warm-up show at 7, play-by-play at 8. Same difference uh, coming tomorrow. we got lots of hockey. And, okay, let's let's get to it. We've teased it. Who's hungry? Time for the mailbag. Lose Mailbag, um, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Make Ruth's Chris a part of your Easter tradition. Choose to dine at their house or yours with their $69 surf and turf or signature sides and desserts to go. Lou, we have a bit of a bit of a change up on on the uh, mail mailbag. I think I think we have a, a late coming question, and I, I'm just going to read it now before we get to our winner. It comes from uh, from Kelly K of uh, downtown Calgary on the C train tracks. <laughs> he, Jeez, Ke- okay. Kelly K writes in, "Hey Lou, big fan." Remember you from your uh, CK radio days with uh, Ken Sebastian Singer and those types of guys. Uh, And he has a question about uh, the team that used to call the Regina Pats because he's been interested in this this youngster. Some guy named Connor Bedard? Connor Bedard. uh, He he was kind of... Kind of sloughing off last night. He only got two assists. He got 12 points in seven games at 15. Lou, what is mm-hmm. the deal with uh, with this guy? And he's going to get bigger and get stronger. Um, but I've seen some highlights. Highlights don't really tell the story. But what are you hearing about Connor Bedard? How about what I'm seeing? So this week, I have spent two nights on my computer watching Connor Bedard. And Kelly... With the puck, beyond special. Um, incredible hands. The way he shoots it and the way he moves, although maybe not quite the same skater, he really reminds me a little, not a ton, but a little of Steven Stamkos when I watched him as a 15-year-old in Markham. Um, his, how he moves with the puck, he makes plays. He's got a great release. He's already a massive piece on the Pats power play. Mind you, the Pats are a, you know, they're a young, relatively inexperienced, growing team. So I've watched him twice this week, and um, he works. He has a lot to learn, as any 15-year-old would, defensively. Um, and it was funny, too, because yesterday... He was really, really dangerous. I watched him play against Winnipeg, and he was matched up that night a lot against this guy named Peyton Krebs, who, yeah. if you watch the World Junior, <laughs> um, is a really, really good player. But uh, he's special, Kelly. In fact, it is such an exciting time 
for the Western Hockey League because not just him, there's a young 15-year-old named Braden Yeager who plays for Moose Jaw, who to me already looks like a pro, right winger, great frame, skates. It's there's There's a young man by the name of Benson, who's a 15-year-old who plays for the Winnipeg Ice. There's a 15-year-old named Tanner Molendyke on defense who's doing excellent things for the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, it's, it's an exciting time. And in that East Division, man alive. Uh, you might say I wouldn't mind uh, spending a little time in the old Regina bubble. If I had a little bit more time, yeah, that's that's. I just I thought I'd ask you about that because yeah. it just seems like okay, uh, it's been a while since that team's had somebody that's absolutely lights out like that. So that's very cool. Okay, time for the real question. It comes okay. from uh, Doug Doan, and uh, he writes, uh, Peter, with the Flames only playing six teams in the North Division, and the frequent number of three-game series, how does this change your pre- preparation to keep? your comments fresh and interesting. So sort of a sort of a broadcasting question for you. So Lou, how do you uh you guys prep like maniacs? Like both like all three of you on Flames Radio. People could just see what you guys do to get ready for a game. But there's an interesting question there. You've got the Jets here three times. How do you how do you keep it fresh? Well I love it. I love it. Um I, I'd be happy with not this schedule nine and ten times, but I love the playoff nature. So where the preparation has been a little different for me this year is more than ever before, and if you even just listen to the hit, it's very matchup driven because in the playoffs, that's what happens and who makes adjustments and what the matchups look like. And that's been the real difference for me in terms of how I've been looking at the games, how I've analyzed the games, and why I've really enjoyed it is because there's nothing like the playoffs, and we're not in the playoffs, but I do. I love the nature of watching teams. It gives you an opportunity to learn even more when you can dig in on a group for three or four games in a row. So I've become very match-up and adjustment in my preparation more than ever before because of this schedule. Well, there you go. So congratulations, Doug Doan. you got a $100 gift card to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. We'll mail it out to you. You can go and enjoy a, a lunch or a dinner, and congratulations. By the way, if you want to uh, get in the old mailbag, very easy. Just go to our website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Go to contests, fill out your question there, and if we use it, you're a winner. Simple as that as we do uh, on Fridays, lose Mailbag. So that is the Mailbag. Lose Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Make Ruth's Chris a part of your Easter tradition. Choose to dine at their house or yours with their $69 surf and turf or signature sides and desserts to go. Well, Lou, I, my, the uh, question from Kelly Kate took us a little overtime, but I, I wanted to, for some reason, I just wanted to go a little long today, so uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, looking forward to you guys calling the games. Nice. And... Uh, We'll see what happens, and uh, I know you'll be on the air coming up on Monday to tell us all about it. We appreciate it. 
Sounds good. Tell that guy to uh, take the rock at home, will you? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everybody. You know, Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Flames and Jets tonight, pregame at 7. We'll do that from the Envisions Custom Renovations Hot Stove Lounge, and play-by-play will go a little after 8 o'clock on the radio, uh, on our app, on the Radio Player Canada app, all kinds of places on your smart speaker, too. Our game day sponsor is South Point Toyota. It's time to Toyota. Get 0% financing, no payments until September 2021. Three free payments and more under the Toyota Tower of Power, South Point Toyota. We'll uh, switch gears and talk with the one, the only, Eric Francis on Eric Francis Fridays next on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. On a Flames game day, Flames and Jets tonight. Pre-game goes at 7, play-by-play at 8 o'clock. Looking forward to it. we got the big show coming up at 1 o'clock with Will Nault. Time for Eric Francis Fridays. Brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Save up to twenty-four grand on the new 2020 QX80 EX demo during the 2020 clear-out event. Hyatt Infinity, Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. Eric, what uh, what did you make of the uh, Flames' new well, the, the new old lines? I guess at uh, at practice today. Uh, you know what? I've been uh, running around all day. I, I, all I heard was that uh, you know, is it Lindholm back with Gaudreau and Monahan? Yes, and the three M line back together, and the uh, the. The energy line there with uh, with the boys there, Dubé and and uh, Lucic and stuff. So uh, and Bennett. So yeah. uh, it's kind of like what is old is new again, as it were. Yeah, I like it. I mean, we saw some some semblance of that last game. We saw the three M line back together, and um, you know, I, you're getting to desperate times right now. You got to do something to try and shake it up. I mean, I I still think they need to separate Gaudreau and Monahan, but I, I also understand the rationale behind look you're so desperate right now. Like you have to basically sweep this weekend. You can't be toying with all sorts of new things. They're going back to what has worked in the past. I got no problem with that. Um, but you know, when the inevitable comes in a week or two, when it's almost, almost mathematical that they'll be out of the playoff race, uh, assuming that comes to path, then at that point, you've got to split up Kajor and Monaghan. You have to, because now you're starting to showcase them for the off season trade. That's inevitable between one or both of them. Um, all sorts of stuff to come, but you know, talking about the here and now, right now, yeah, I like it because uh, you got to get a win tonight, and that's the most important thing uh, is getting wins on a nightly basis. Do you think there's a chance that with the new rules for quarantine on uh, you know for the NHL and April 12th coming up, they might split uh, Gaudreau and Monaghan up permanently and send one of them away? No, no, I don't. Um, not, not that I don't think one or both of them are on the move this uh, by before next season, but because, you know, I've always thought like you, you're, you're dealing at the trade deadline, you're dealing with such a small number of teams, um, and um, and it's made even tougher to to deal with because of the cap space issues. And uh, you know, if you deal in the off season, you got 31 teams that you could potentially talk to about, you know, trading your marquee. These, these are two of the most important trades, or if there's only one, whatever. But Whatever they decide to do, uh, these are going to be hugely important deals 
for the future of the franchise. So you can't rush stuff like this. Um, look, a week ago, this team didn't even think it was going to be a seller. Uh, and now here they are on the cusp of being a seller at the deadline. Uh, to me, you're not looking at significant names that are going to be shuffled out of here at the deadline, but I do think you'll see Derek Ryan leave. You'll see David Riddick leave. And uh, a guy who I didn't think all year long, I know they, they weren't planning on trading him, but now he becomes their most valuable player. Uh, their most valuable trading chip is Sam Bennett. He, he'll be, I would assume he'll be on the move now too. Um, if, you know, if in fact, uh, you know, they're out of this playoff race because, you know, they didn't want to move him before, but now, He's the one guy that every team looks at and goes, wow, we actually know of all the people that may be available to trade deadline. This guy is probably the most proven playoff performer of all of them. Um, and you can get him for a pretty, pretty much a song. I, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to come with too heavy a price tag, but he comes with a whole lot of uh, playoff moxie. Chatting with Eric Francis and Eric Francis Fridays for uh, Hyatt Infinity. When you talk about trades and you talk about if you're a seller, um, you want stuff back. You want prospects back or you want draft picks. And now we have kind of this really weird situation with COVID where you haven't had a normal year where you get to see all these prospects playing, playing, play. Some leagues are just starting. Some leagues are, are by far and away playing maybe a quarter of what they normally play. Where do you come out on the value of, of those draft picks? Or is a, a young player still still a piece that, that you might be able to build with? We're, we're seeing a team against the Flames tonight, the Winnipeg Jets, that um, that have really built through the draft. Give me your thoughts on, on you know how valuable these draft picks are going to be this year, or maybe you kind of take it the year after. It's a great debate that I think they're having internally. Like, <clears throat> is this a year to go and, low, you know, get rid of some spare parts, get rid of guys like Nesterov uh, for a seventh rounder or whatever, sixth rounder, like whatever – Whatever you can get, is this the year that those five, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders could really turn into gold? Because you haven't had a chance to really scout these guys, and maybe you just got a gut feeling on some of these guys. I think we all know that because most of these guys haven't played and clearly then have not been scouted in their final year of eligibility or, or in their first or second year of eligibility, you know, it, it's a bit of a crapshoot. So does a GM like that? I think you, you put less value perhaps on first and second round picks this year in your organization and more on them next year when you cert, there's more certainty in drafting these guys. So I don't think there are many GMs out there who like to defer draft picks for a, another year because, you know. It's a in long every time city, before you see them. You probably won't have your job by the time they're playing in your lineup, it, really, the way exactly, hockey does. Exactly, right? It's all about self-preservation and these guys deferring things for another year. That doesn't bode too well you've got to be pretty comfortable in your, your position to be able to do that. So I think right now, just stockpiling anything you can get fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. I think they could turn into gold. And in Calgary right now, I don't think you're looking at grabbing first and second rounders in exchange for, you know, most of their players that might be up for grabs, you know, but uh, if you can get third, fourth rounders, that's great too. So it's, it's uh, God, is it going to be a fascinating, you know, next couple weeks, leading up to the deadline, but also the offseason is going to be fasting in this city because everything just flipped on a dime in my mind when they just lost three in a row, including two to Ottawa. That, that just flipped the entire organization on its head, and everything old is new again, and all of a sudden they've got to revisit all their plans and look at everything completely differently. I know you and Ryan talked about it on, on Monday when you were with them for the whole hour. 
like when you think about it, when you think about what's happened to the Calgary Flames, you think about like player by player. We've talked about Sean Monahan and just just not seeming to have that that zip, and maybe he doesn't want the puck like he normally does. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau has has been frustrated and hasn't been the player. You know, you know the even strength goals have not been there. You talk about Matthew Kachuk and, and how it's changed. Uh, you look at some players that maybe have taken a step back. The young guys like Rasmus Anderson is like, oh boy, that's that's you know that's that's an evolution of a player. But as far as 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 what you can see, and you've covered the team for a long time, it's kind of strange that all this happened all at once. And you could talk about Mark Giordano maybe not being quite the play. Maybe Father Times caught up to him a little bit. Um, but there also been some some good stories too. But can you? Is it one thing? Is it is it uh, is it? Do you chalk it up to COVID, which I don't think you can. I don't think that's an excuse you can play. But it's it's frustrating, and it's just a head scratcher too for Flames fans trying to figure out what exactly has happened to this team all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, I was doing a podcast with someone today, and it just kind of my theory is, you know, one of the biggest strengths in this organization, or so it seemed was just how tight-knit the room was and how much the guys cared for one another. And in a way, in my opinion, you know, they almost got too tight, too cushy, too comfortable, um, too, uh, too, much, uh, too much of them, too many of them were believing their press clippings and thinking, yeah, you know what, we do have the basis of a phenomenal hockey team. And I still believe that. I still believe that some of the real significant core pieces are, you know, future winners uh, I'm not saying in Calgary, but I just think that, you know, that you've got a very solid base upon to build on. But, you know, again, and I, I know I get a lot of people think that I'm all hell bent on getting Johnny Gaudreau out of here. My whole theory has always been a very measured approach, which is this. He wasn't coming back after next year anyway. So you need to get something for this asset. And I still think Johnny Gaudreau is a guy who's not part of the solution. He's part of the problem. And the problem is that this team's too soft and can't get it done when it matters most. And we're seeing that again right now. This is no different than the playoffs. When the chips are down and the games really, really matter, this team can't get it done. And Johnny Gaudreau is top of that list. He has been invisible under Daryl Sutter. Absolutely invisible, as completely predicted by me. Because when the game is, when they ask players to get tougher and move into the, you know, get off the perimeter and move inside, he can't do it. And, and, I, and I don't it's not even fair to ask a guy who's 165 pounds to just decide that I'm going to go play in the middle all of a sudden and get, get dirty and start mucking it up. It just doesn't fit his style. Like it's, it's just not. And, and Johnny Gaudreau is a superstar. Like I'll go that far as to say he's a superstar. It's not that I don't think he's a great hockey player. It's just that he's not answering the questions and the problems that this organization has had for several years. And that's why I've never seen it to be the fit that people hoped and wished it would be. So therefore, he will be gone this summer, and um, and it's not a good riddance thing. The guy was sold a lot of jerseys. He created a lot of excitement in this market. It's just that his time here is done, and he needs to move on. And he'll excite some other market when he goes there and brings that amazing skill set that he has, uh, that is so good in the regular season. And people would be excited what you know potentially you could get for a return for him. You know, he's got the the only certain teams you can trade me to clause coming kicking in here and. This will be this will be interesting to see what uh, what the Flames brass decide and and which way they go and what that says to the fans too, right? Because you still 
you know, you got to sell season tickets and you got to sell hope and you got to, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's not an easy thing. Like I, people always say, get a rebuild, get a re, you know, it's like, well, hang on. It's, it's, it's a business like any other. And, and uh, hockey fans in Calgary are very savvy. They know when you're serious and when you're not. And this will be interesting to see for a team that's, you know, has, has spent what they needed to spend to get to the cap the best way they could. This will be interesting to see what happens here as we go forward. And, and, and Eric, this is uh this is a very important time in this franchise as you get ready, you know, three years down the line, three and a half years down the line, you know, going into a brand new building. Like whatever rebuild, if you do one, kind of has to be coming to fruition by the time you, you know, start asking, you know, people to get into a new building and all the costs that get associated with that. Is that is that fair? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're shaping, you know, what's going to happen in those days when that building opens. Like, you know, to your initial kind of point is I think people need to temper their expectations in terms of what the Calgary Flames are going to get back for, you know, in exchange for Johnny Gaudreau. Um, And again, I'm not going to get all down on the player, but I'm going to say this. He's only got one year left on his contract and then he can walk from wherever he goes. So teams are hesitant to spend big money on players like that. Yes. We all have that belief in our mind that he's probably going to go to Philly or Jersey or somewhere on the Eastern Seaboard where he's close to home and he wants to stay and he would be looking to sign long-term. But there's no guarantee with that. So whatever team trades for him knows that they're basically getting a one-year rental. And that's how they have to approach it. So the, the price tag for a one-year rental is not that high. Um, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's not that high. I just think people who think that you're going to trade a, 90, a former 99-point player and get a guy who's been anywhere close to that stratosphere – are absolutely fooling themselves. It would have to be a package deal with two or three guys, in my opinion, you know, maybe a second rounder, uh, maybe a top prospect, and maybe a guy who's on the roster. Now, I don't know. I, I hate playing that game of trying to be GM and trying to figure out what he's worth. But all I'm going to say to people is prepare to be disappointed at first when you hear the names. Maybe some of them don't mean anything to you because they're younger players or they're prospects. Uh, and I'm not saying they won't turn out to be a great return. They may be, but at first, I almost guarantee the initial reaction from everyone is going to be, "That's all you got for Johnny Gaudreau?" Yeah, it's just it's just the reality of today's world. Okay, well let's let's dig into that a little bit further. Is there a chance they could sign him here to an extension and and lock him up long term? Do you do you see if you had to put a percentage on that? What do you think it would be? I'd say 5%, 10%. Now, he paid lip service to that last year, or was it earlier this year? I don't know. They all blend into one these days. Um, When he said, you know, people always think that I'm gone as soon as I can be, but I want to spend my career here as a Calgary Flame. I'd never heard that from him before, and uh, I've not heard it since. Uh, Not that he's been asked about it, but it kind of surprised me that he would even say that. Hey, Look, we saw Taylor Hall the other day say, yeah, I'd I'd certainly be open to signing in Buffalo. Do you think there's any chance in hell the Buffalo Sabres or Taylor Hall want him to return to Buffalo next year? No. Zero. Zero. But that's what you say when you're you're in front of a Zoom camera. There's only one thing you can say, which is, for sure I would consider staying. It's not going to happen. And I think that the heat he's taken over the last three or four months, which is kind of new to him, um, I think that will, you know, also serve as, as one of the many factors in him kind of being okay with saying, yeah, maybe it's time to move on. Uh, I, I, I see 
I just don't see a scenario where he signs here long term. Um, again, but then again, maybe you get to the point where you, the market's soft out there for a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. I really believe that. And you're not going to get much of a return. So do you turn to plan B and say, okay, we can't move you for anything significant. Would you consider signing an extension anytime soon? And, and only if you get that certainty would you then proceed that way. But again, that's going to cost you a ton of money. And you want to invest seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know what the price tags are these days with COVID and everything that's going on in the flat cap. Do you want to invest eight, nine million dollars a year in Johnny Gaudreau as, as your as the man? Hmm. Mm. I think it's been proven conclusively that he can't be the man when it matters most. Eric, what are you writing for or getting ready to write for uh, .ca these days? Well, I got to tell you, everything kind of hinges on every win from now on. If they start losing two, three games in a row, it's pretty, pretty obvious to me. I'll be writing their obituary and start talking about who's getting traded and who should get traded and all that. Um, but, you know, trying to take a measured wait-and-see approach. We'll see how they play tonight. And, uh, you know, I just wrote a, a story about Matthew Kachuk. I just posted a couple hours ago about how his minutes are down five minutes. And we heard the only the real significant thing about that piece is, you know, I've covered Daryl for many, many years, and I've never heard him, heard him give, uh, say, like, my bad. You know, and he, yeah. he said that yesterday, my bad. I, I got to find a way to play Matthew Kachuk more. And uh, so we'll see how that kind of translates too. So uh, there'll be lots to write in the coming days and uh, the story will be evolving or devolving with every win and loss. Exactly. Eric, we'll listen for you uh, on Monday with Ryan. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for joining us on, on Eric Francis Fridays. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Have a great weekend, my man. There you go. Eric Francis Fridays brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Save up to 15 grand on the uh, 2020 Q50 executive demo. It's part of the 2020 clearance, uh, clearance clear out event at Hyatt Infinity, Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. That's Eric Francis Fridays right here on Sportsnet 960. We've got Will Nault ready for 1 o'clock. He's got some NFL news. So we'll be talking about hockey and a few other things. We'll wrap things up on Hockey Central next. For all your latest fantasy sports news and advice, join me, Andy McNamara, every Sunday at 6 a.m. for the Fantasy Show, delivered by Domino's Pizza on Sportsnet 960 Calgary.